like I don't know how we're going to get everything in. We just won't. Yeah. everyone, and welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jackson Nikolai. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen, and if you've already noticed a difference in the overall vibe of No Script, it's because almost everything about No Script <laughs> is, different. is different right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Yeah, you, you may notice the sound of crickets in the background, perhaps the low rumble of traffic around, maybe a dog bark or two. The and that's... fan of the generator thingamajig that's powering our whole rig. The whole rig out here, and that's because we're in a campground right now, actually in the same place it's together. It's strange. <laughs> we, we live many... Thousands? Is thousands right? I think so. Many well, hundreds, for sure, thousands, over a thousand. Over yep. a thousand miles away, and very opposite shores, very different time zones, and we we've come together for a vacation for the first time, not since No Script started. Yeah, think, yeah. But mm-hmm. for the first time that it made sense because our last time together we were backpacking, through so, hiking. And, yeah, yeah. Wasn't, we were going to haul microphones. So, for the first time since it made sense, and so we thought we'd do an in-person episode. In a campground, and <laughs> on the front end, the original idea for this was like, oh, we'll have the fire. Fire crackling. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. But that, alas, apparently they don't let you have fires in the desert. And, I just yep. didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here we are. Um, yeah, no, excited to kind of uh, uh, get to have a conversation kind of face-to-face in the same area. Um, and so if you continue to hear sounds in the background, I probably won't work as hard at taking them out. So... Enjoy the ambiance of the campground. It's a different kind of episode. And so we'll we'll do a lot of the same things. It'll probably be a little shorter so that we uh, bother our campground neighbors the least amount possible. Minimal bothering. And uh, we're also like we just haven't had the same access to internet and research and stuff that we normally do. So we're going to be talking less about like reviews. We we won't do the full extended context section, that kind of stuff. This is mostly going to be a... Uh, more informal, you know, we've got some adult beverages near us. Great conversation yeah. about a show that we both love that is uh, very much in the the discussion right now of those, like, really influential shows like your Hamiltons that are out there. Um, this is, a, you know, this is sort of a pop episode, as yeah. it were. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we picked a play that we really enjoy and a play that we think you would have interacted with before in some way, shape, or form. So even if we don't contextualize or synopsize as much as we usually do, you will likely know what's going on in Hades Town, which is the play that we are discussing today. Anais Mitchell's Hades Town is uh, incredible. It has an incredible story of its existence. It is an incredible story. It's one of the more commonly known and adapted myths out there. We'll talk about that. We will do a synopsis, although if you know the myth of Hades and Persephone and you know the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, it's just those two slam-bashed together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's it's going to be fun to talk about. It's one of those uh, conversations, episodes, where, like, I don't know how we're going to get everything in. We just want, yeah. We're going to try to move fast and touch on some things that are fun and interesting some of the favorite parts see where it goes yeah yeah definitely yeah no it's it's a it's a play full of these like kind of spark moments of of beauty of sadness of connection and i'm excited to get the chance to jump into the conversation on it yeah and it is it's 
a musical that is, um, it, it, it exists pretty much all on the soundtrack. There were better words for what I was trying to say, but the good news is, if you've listened through the original Broadway recording on Spotify, make sure you don't listen to like the concept album. Well, do listen to do the listen, concept yeah, yeah. And, and to the off-Broadway, but if you've listened through the Broadway recording, you've actually pretty much heard the whole musical. I mean, we, of course, got the scripts and, you know, read through them in an effort to make sure there's not book that changes the story. And in a few places, there's a few extra lines. But by and large, the soundtrack is the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of nice to get to. We, I know I've listened to it on repeat the last two days in the car right out here. And you really get the sense of the whole musical, especially with kind of a narrator storyteller walking you through the whole thing. So, so our encouragement is we don't often get to do this because... One of the reasons why we do this podcast is that there's kind of a barrier to reading scripts. Actually, still today, we have trouble getting more recent scripts, copies of them to talk about because of all the barriers to dramatic literature. But in this case, we get to say, if you haven't interacted with Hades now, <laughs> go ahead and pause this episode. Go ahead and flip over to your music player streamer preference and just see what you see. Yep. Check it out, the Broadway recording of Town. And, you you know, it'll take whatever, however long it takes, a couple hours to listen through. You'll be impacted. You'll be moved. And then come back, and you'll get so much more out of our conversation. Right, yeah. Give it a listen, tune into it, and then, uh, yeah, tune back into us. Before we start our conversation about this, we do want to encourage everybody to head on over to patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. That's patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast, all one word, no hyphens, no underscores. That's where you can become a supporter of the show. We've got a lot of great supporters. We've actually had in like the past couple of weeks, we've had a couple of like of the uh, a couple different kinds of tiers of supporters throw their support in. So that's been really great to see. Thank you to all of you who have joined recently or who have been longtime supporters. The folks on Patreon make No Script the Podcast happen. If you are a patron, you will get to see a very special photo of our recording setup over on Patreon. We try to do stuff like that. We do uh, upcoming episodes. We do occasionally little posts about other art that we interact with. Just something to make the page a little lively because in, in large part, the benefit of being a patron is knowing that no script could not happen without you, period, full stop. We couldn't do this. I mean, we would still probably go on a vacation together, but yep. <laughs> we couldn't haul along microphones and buy a copy of the script of Town and invest the time and energy into the podcast. It just costs money to run a podcast. We do a weekly podcast. We do a weekly podcast that requires us to gain access to someone else's copyrighted material yep. as a part of it. So it's it just couldn't happen without you who are supporting us on Patreon. So thank you, thank you, thank you if that's you. If that's not, check it out. There's a bunch of tiers. Lowest tier is just a dollar a month. Very accessible to everybody, we think. Please check us out. Patreon.com slash podcast. Yes, echo the thanks. Thank you all so much, and we will see you over there. And now back to the script. Here we go, jumping into the conversation on Hades Town by Anais Mitchell. Um, so, so we already said we were going to just briefly do the context here, but Anais Mitchell, uh, fantastic singer, songwriter, musician, um, uh, and also uh, you know playwright and play uh, crafter. Um, uh, sh- uh, you may know Anais Mitchell's music from uh, uh, the band that she's in, Bonnie Bonnie Light Horseman, right now, or any of the number of projects that she's done over the years, including. Hades Town. Now, uh, this uh, particular play started out 
kind of coolly um, as a sort of uh, concept show that Mitchell brought around to different community theaters and kind of toured around with it back in like 2006. And then around 2010, she made this uh, kind of concept album in which, and you can you can still listen to that. Um, it has a lot of the songs verbatim that are still in the musical today um, and some songs that are a little different and interesting and we probably won't get to some of the differences between those in our conversation today but it's cool to see how the musical developed. Important to note because this musical is very politically relevant. It was certainly politically relevant when it came out in 2016. She was writing many of the songs that were politically relevant back in 2006 so it kind of has this neat symmetry with the uh, kind of retelling of a myth again and again this sort of like re-relevance of a myth again and again um, the same thing is happening with the music. It continues to be relevant over and over again. Um, so uh, 2016 uh, is, is kind of when it uh, has its Broadway, off-Broadway moment, and then 2019 it's on Broadway. Um, that 2019 uh, uh, show is a winner of eight Tony, eight Tony Awards, uh, four Drama Desk Awards, six Outer Critics Circle Awards, uh, Drama League Awards, all, all the awards... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, continues to be uh, uh, come, came back to stage again after the COVID break. You might maybe have seen the Tiny Desk concert of the cast. If you haven't, it's on YouTube. It's free. Definitely if check it out. If you live in a community with a Broadway touring house, you may have seen yep. the touring Broadway show. My partner Brianne has seen the touring Broadway show. I was supposed to go with her, but alas, was stuck actually making theater while she got to go see great Bummer, theater, dude. which is first world <laughs> problems. But right. it didn't mean that I didn't get to see it. When it was near me. <laughs> yep, it was near me as well. I missed the chance to go see it. I'm looking forward to the chance to get to go see it, though, in a coming day because it really is. I mean, the music's gorgeous, the the words are gorgeous, and the pictures that you see in all the ad copy and things like that. Set design is incredible. Um, so, so yeah, that's been the kind of briefly that's the story of this play i remember listening to the concept album back in 2010 and thinking wow what a cool album and then to get to like slowly see it come to life on stage and keep up with it as much as i could um has been a really cool journey so it's a, it's got a fun story and i'm excited to get into the story of it uh itself yeah so hades town is as we said in our introduction it's the story of orpheus and eurydice is kind of the core myth and then and as Mitchell has layered in the story of Hades and Persephone as a kind of pairing, a kind of thematic seesaw, a uh, we'll talk about the ways in which the Hades-Persephone relationship, they are presented as this sort of older couple together for a long time. The the marriage or, or what have you, whatever Greek gods have, the marriage is is straining at this point in their relationship and, and the, the language around that about Persephone leaving every year. Of course, if you know the Hades and Persephone myth, she leaves every year in the spring to go up and that what causes there to be flowers to bloom and fields to produce crops and things like that. And then she goes back down to Hades where her husband and abductor, depending on your version of the myth, lives. Uh, and that's what causes, uh, you know, fall, everything dying, and then, of course, winter. So they're presented as this sort of older couple, marriages fraying around that issue and then you meet Orpheus and Eurydice these are young uh, kind of nomadic people uh, impoverished people and their relationship is brand new literally within like the first two to three songs of the play Orpheus meets Eurydice and immediately asks her to marry him 
uh, and that relationship, you sort of see that relationship come into bloom. Eurydice, especially as someone who's been hurt many times in the past, so is very reluctant to to settle down, but I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that in a very, like, she keeps to herself and keeps moving as a method of survival. Um, and she talks a lot about the when the seasons change, moving on is how she keeps herself alive. And so to find Orpheus, who is, you know, head over heels in love with her, is, is different for her, and it changes the way she sees the world. Eventually, we get this, uh, what, I, what I think is one of the more incredible uh, moments of the musical, which is this offset of Hades finally comes to get Persephone for the winter to begin. This is after a beautiful spring and summer with Persephone and Orpheus and Eurydice fall in love and all of this beautiful, incredible stuff. And then Hades comes for Persephone, takes her down, and you get this sort of montage collab smash together song where Persephone sings about the changes to Hades underworld which has gone from what you think of as the Greek sort of poppy fields uh, you know Elysian fields sort of underworld to basically a mine and a factory mm-hmm. where machines are built where neon wire lights. is strung the neon yeah. lights he's turned it into a you know, sort of industrial age sort of uh, hellscape, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and he lords over all the dead, which are his slaves, more or less. Um, and so they're singing about that. While on the on the living side of the equation, on the surface, uh, Orpheus is in the midst of writing a song that he believes is going to fix the problem with the seasons. The problem with the seasons have to do with Hades and Persephone. I don't know how much we can get into all that. But he thinks this song is going to fix the problem with the seasons. And he's so busy writing it that he's not helping a Eurydice provide for life in terms of making food, finding shelter. She sings that she hopes the song he's working on is going to shelter them from the wind. And so he sort of abandons her for his artistic um, project. And so you get this scene of Hades' sort of desperation to hold Persephone and Orpheus's kind of abandonment of Eurydice. And in the midst of that, you get the, the scene where, I mean, in the original Eurydice and Orpheus myth, Eurydice is bitten by a snake. In this version, and, and she dies, in this version, Hades, upset with Persephone, sort of goes out in the world to find someone else who will appreciate his, I mean, of course, he provides all the things that Orpheus doesn't, but it's a, as he says, it's a gilded cage, basically. So he comes up to the surface, he finds Eurydice, talks her into coming down she goes down this of course is the death it's a little unclear to me in the musical yeah. how the death part works but yeah. again it's there's the in the real story she's bitten by a rattlesnake and dies it's this kinda, version it's kind of cool because both can be true you can you have the uh, the option that she starves um and dies and goes down to Hades town or the option that she kind of signs on to this contract that Hades offers and either way it's it's a great interpretation of like and there's a great line Hermes who's the narrator of the whole thing in the midst of this has a great sort of he says songbird versus rattlesnake mm-hmm. and it's a yep. lovely little nod if you know the original myth and it's a great metaphor even if you don't so now we move into the second part of the musical, which is all going to take place in Hades town, Hades domain, his factory. Um, Orpheus up above has discovered Eurydice is missing and has sung the famous uh, Wait for Me, I'm Coming song. He's going to go find her through this sort of back route into the underworld. In the underworld, Eurydice learns that she's signed away her soul, basically, unbeknownst to her, and is now stuck being one of the factory workers. Orpheus finds his way in, shows up to rescue her, and Hades catches him and basically has his workers beat him uh, and toss him out on his ear. 
Um, Hades and Persephone sort of have an argument about young love, about why he shouldn't just let this happen. Meanwhile, Orpheus is riling up the workers to sort of stand up and claim their freedom, their individuality, their support for each other. And that riot brings Hades back onto the scene. And Hades, you know, upset over his fight with Persephone, over all of this stuff, basically says, tell you what, before I kill you, why don't you sing me one more song? Everybody seems to think you're a great singer. Go ahead, sing him, sing me a song. And what Orpheus sings is the song he's been working on, which is the love song of Hades and Persephone from long ago. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful, it's touching, it moves Hades and Persephone to such a degree that they start to dance together. It looks like all is going to be well. And then another incredible turn in the musical where the fates, who I haven't talked about, and I don't know how much we'll be able to get into them. They're these sort of chorus singers. They play a lot of, like, they play the wind at one point. They play. They come to Hades and they say, basically say, if you let him go, you're weak and you'll never get anybody in line again. If you kill him, you're heartless and cruel and you'll never get anybody in line again. This is a tough choice. What are you going to do? And Hades creates the famous problem of Orpheus and Eurydice, which is that he says... Orpheus, you walk out of the underworld. Eurydice, you walk behind him. And if Orpheus turns around to look, then you stay. If you make it out without turning around, then you can both go back to life, I guess. And, of course, if you know Orpheus and Eurydice, that doesn't work. Orpheus turns around. Uh, Lots of different versions of the myth are presented in many different ways. I think one of the last times we talked about a play that was adapted from this myth was the uh, I can't remember if we, the last time was Sarah Rule or Might Mary be Metamorphosis. Yeah, in, yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great twist on the myth where it's actually Eurydice that prompts Orpheus to turn around and gives her a little more agency. But mm-hmm. that's not the version in this musical. Orpheus, it's sort of an Orpheus-centric journey at this point. And he kind of loses his chutzpah in the midst of being forced to walk alone. A lot of the musical is about walking together. He's forced to walk alone at the end of the musical. He turns. Eurydice's pulled back into the underworld. And then in the sort of thematic resonance end of the musical, Hermes sings that this this is a story that's sort of part of a cycle. And we're going to do the cycle again. And it's part of knowing sad stories and telling tragic tales is being willing to tell them even when you know how they're going to end. And so the musical basically just restarts. You get to the scene at the top with the train and, you know, a young woman looking for something to eat. And that is where the the musical began. That's, I mean, the boy, there's a lot more in it. That's the kind of core pieces if you didn't already know. And I'm guessing a lot of you do. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So you're probably filling in the gaps already. Um, Again, we're, we're like, there's so much in this musical that we could talk about. So much great stuff about myth and and music and tradition and things like that. I wonder about, I I, I would love to spend a little bit of time just focusing on the dyad of the two relationships. It seems to be. To me, that's the core. Yeah. Yeah. The the sort of, the, the beating heart of this play is you have Orpheus and Eurydice and you have Hades. Hades and Persephone, and they're they're kind of swirling around each other, um, and going through some, you know, different but similar things um, uh, that 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 they're they're singing about, trying to fix, um, and and the whole thing is interwoven between them so beautifully, which really makes this play. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I touched on it briefly in the synopsis, but I'd love to just expand the the song in the middle. It's the one that Hades sings: "The lover you were gone so long, lover I was lonesome." Is basically a song of here's all the stuff I did for you while you were away, so that you would enjoy being trapped in the underworld with me. And it is contrasted, and I think that if you're just listening along, 
it's this sort of, you, you notice the back and forth, but there's such a strong thematic contrast. Because on the flip side, you have Eurydice begging Orpheus to pay some attention to anything but his work. Right. And, and, and she doesn't get that from him. I mean, these are literally relationships with opposite problems. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they come together. And, and that is the imagination of Anais Mitchell. Is this, uh, and, I, and I love, too, when I was thinking about the musical more than just enjoying it, how interesting it is to present Hades and Persephone as an older couple. Mm-hmm. Because the Hades and Persephone myth is a young love story, too. Hades, I mean, depending on your version of the myth, either sees her and abducts her, or they fall in love, or the abducts her, and then they fall in love right, later on, right. but they're young. And it's the idea that Hades steals away, uh, um, oh boy, this is going to be embarrassing, Persephone's mother is... Uh, Demeter. D. Thank you, mm-hmm. Demeter. Uh, he steals away Demeter's daughter, and that, that the pain and grief of losing her is part of what causes the seasons as well. So Hades and Persephone is a young love story. But Anais Mitchell advances the story. She just turns the clock a little mm-hmm. to this older couple with this older couple problem. Yeah. Yeah. And you get beautiful songs They're like They're sick take of it. each other. They're sick of each other. You, get, you like take it from an old man. You hear Hades' kind of side of that. You hear Persephone's side of that in the kind of a nightclub song that starts off act two. Um, and yeah they're, they're, yeah, they're tired of each other. Um, and, and also longing for that same connection again and kind of doubting, especially from Hades' perspective, doubting that he's worth the worth Persephone coming back anymore. I think that's like part of the, like, I built all this stuff, think of it as my love for you. Um, it's, it's tied up into worth, which is interesting, connected to uh, Orpheus's last song. When doubt creeps in, it's all about, his, or a good chunk of it is about his self-worth. As he's climbing up, he's like, I can, maybe, you know, why would she follow me? Why would Eurydice follow me to the top? I don't think she's back there. Why, why do I think that I actually outsmarted Hades, that I'm actually all that? Maybe I'm just being tricked and duped. And it's all that, like, that same kind of core struggle around self-worth is kind of like inverting through the play. Because you're right, at the start, it's, they're in complete opposite problems. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think a more interesting song to me to contrast the, the, the machinery I build a foundry, I strung wire, all this stuff song, is actually one of the early love songs of Orpheus and Eurydice. Mm-hmm. Eurydice basically asks, like, how could we possibly make a life together? Now she asks that more creatively, like, lover, you know, tell me if you're able, who's going to lay the wedding table? When we're wed, who's going to make the wedding bed? Mm-hmm. And Orpheus's song is like, you know, it, it's lovely and it's beautiful and it's optimistic <laughs> yep. and it's also stupid <laughs> because the answer Nature, is, the like, will. not me. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else, I guess. It's all going to come along. The, the trees are going to give us their fruit, and <laughs> yeah. the river is going to just, like, cough up some precious metal for your <laughs> for your ring. And, and our bed is just going to be filled with goose feathers that the goose are just going to, like, leave us. And it's, I mean, it's so, him and Hades are, like, diametric opposites. Yeah. And then, I think that that, them being so opposite is what makes when Orpheus sings Hades' love song in the climactic moment, it's what makes it so powerful. Because what you see is Hades go, I was that. Yeah. We're not so far apart. The only distance between us is years. I was there once. Mm -hmm. Which is like that I was there once once is like the the epitome of the power of music and the power of telling sad stories, which ties all the way back to what Hermes kind of epilogues us out with towards the end, is this like... Yeah, these stories are sad, and also the telling of them remembers to us what it was like back then. 
and you see that on stage with Hades. Um, you see it kind of early on with Persephone. There's this great sort of like repeating motif in the play whenever Orpheus brings out his song to sing to people the la 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 la. Um, uh, yes, so, lovely. Yes, yes lovely. Lovely. Yes, we know. Um, everyone's like, where did you get that melody? Yeah. Um, and and the, the payoff of it being Hades and Persephone's song, the song that they sang to one another, the song that brings the spring, the song that can make flowers when Orpheus sings it because it is, in fact, tied to Persephone coming home, which is it's, spring. It's like this old thing that's now new. Mm-hmm. Through, and that's that's also in this musical, is the, the sort of magic of old stories. It's an old tale from way back when, mm-hmm. becoming new, right? This is an ancient Greek story and now it's the same story but it's also about Hades like building railway cars yeah. in hell you know so it's it's different as well so this this ever changing this is not so much a cycle as much as it is just the progression of time mm-hmm. old things become new things over the course of time and reset again and again and again and on we go yeah the 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 uh, kind of hope in the midst of uh, kind of the sadness of of the repetition of that story over and over again is such a like it's a it's an odd thing to like you know you you go into this musical kind of thinking that um you know the story right and you probably do you've you've interacted with the story before um and yet over and over again whenever at least whenever i interact with the story i'm expecting or not expecting i'm hoping for it to end differently um, and it doesn't. I'm grateful that it doesn't in this in this play. You, it, it is sad at the end, um, and and yet in the telling of that sadness, there is hope and there is another reset to the cycle for you to engage it again. But yeah, I mean, there is in that like the musical writes it that way. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there is something too. I, I've, I'm not always totally sold on the musicals like attempt to be like and in the end we just start over and it's all okay i, I don't know that's never i don't know been. that it's okay you know yeah. I, I i i like the 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 sadness starts over again in fact the 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 ending ending scene the kind of post bow scene i think lands into that even a little bit more it takes it away from what you're talking about jacob of this like everything's fine we'll run it again it's this weird little scene where everyone comes out with mugs filled with wine and they toast the audience but the the and toast orpheus importantly and the people who are singing that song are persephone and eurydice and the rest of the workers uh, down in hades town um and so so though it's like an, it's an emotional sort of curtain call scene, we've just been through an emotional ride together, and most of the time I imagine when we're engaging it, it's just like, ugh, feels. Um, but also, this is Persephone and Eurydice. Importantly, Eurydice went down to hell again, where Persephone often is, and they're toasting Orpheus, who is walking around above. So there is a progression to the story, a point beyond the myth that is being talked about. And they're, they're toasting like... The people who tell sad stories, or the mm-hmm. people who are sad, basically. The, the song is like, we don't toast to the birds who sing in the daytime, we toast the birds who sing at night. And that is, it's, I think it is a, an ideal of the musical to say telling sad stories is good, yeah. is powerful, mm-hmm. moves us some. And we're 
one of the reasons why that's so important to me right now is especially in the post-COVID era, theater is so dangling on this precarious edge that we tend to see a lot more of big, popular, happy stuff Mm -hmm. because it sells better. People like to see it more. And a show like Hadestown says we can be big, popular, powerful, impactful without being cheap or happy necessarily. Yeah, yeah, we can lean into tragedy and still... um communicate well to, de- to to delight and instruct is the kind of dual purpose of of theater um and and this this play certainly certainly does that it does like it works with tragedy surprisingly well um it kind of sneaks tragedy in there in a really interesting way um and in a really important way for us to be like trying to think of ways to dwell in that sad space well in in our kind of communal spaces which is a rare thing and the the, the like the rightness the the um, the powerful truth of dwelling in sadness, I think is part of a broader point that the musical makes about the nature of seasons. I mean, mm. I think that one of the reasons why you include Persephone in this story, which, it, believe me, you would lose a lot if you didn't, so I'm not saying that it's just this or that you could just do this, you could do the same musical without Persephone. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that Persephone is a character of seasons. Yeah. By nature of having her in there and having some problem associated with her, you create a problem in the world of seasons not working the way they should. In this musical, spring doesn't come because Persephone is staying longer in the underworld, and then fall doesn't really come because she's being snatched up quicker, so you go from summer to winter so the whole natural world is sort of falling apart that's what Orpheus is trying to solve with this song but there is this theme throughout of correct seasons right the uh, Eurydice sings till someone brings the world back into tune that's how the world is but if the world is going to go back into tune that means that there is a correct tune yeah and weirdly in a musical like this which I, I think you would maybe more naturally say is um does not have a prescriptive lens for how life should be lived, which I think is true, there is, there is a sense to me under the musical of there is a right rhythm for the world. Mm-hmm. There is a way things are supposed to work. And that cycle of life involves sadness and joy and sadness and joy and other things too, but also that rhythm, that back and forth, just as the seasons go from spring to summer to fall to winter and then back, this life is sort of this evolving, shifting thing. And there is some sort of structure or order to that. And that when that order is disrupted is when you see things fall apart. Yeah, the, re- the release and return of the season of that cycle when there is no release um, uh, what, what starts to derail and what starts to go wrong. And, and that's the, I mean, the, the, the beauty of putting these two myths together like this is you really get like the, the world is improved by the tragic hero's fall. <laughs> you get like or- Orpheus still brings back spring. It's just at a terrible cost. Um, uh, and, and, and in a way that he wasn't really planning to, he, I think he was going to be like singing his song on the surface and spring would return. Um, but it was, he sang his song in Hades town and kind of changed the heart of Hades it's enough an, to it's let him go. It's an undersold line. I think because it's impactful for the characters, you miss what it means for the world. Um, Orpheus and Eurydice have, they've fallen back in love. Orpheus has sung his song. I think they're about to start their walk. Um, and, and Hades and Persephone say, Persephone says, you let them go. Hades says, I'm just reading now. I let them try. Persephone, and how about you and I? Are we going to try again? 
Hades says it's time for spring. We'll try again next fall. Mm -hmm. Now, that is powerful just for the characters. They're going to try to make their relationship work. That's beautiful. It's something that you weren't sure of, the whole musical. This is very much for them like a will-they-won't-they-divorce kind of musical. (laughs) And it looks like they're going to try to make their marriage or whatever work. But what you miss, I think, if, if you just land in that emotion of it, is what Hades actually says. It's time for spring we'll try again next fall. Mm-hmm. Well, spring and fall are the things that have been missing yep. because Hades and Persephone's relationship has been falling apart. So you're exactly right. The fall of the hero, in this case is Orpheus, has put the world back into tune. Spring and fall are now going to be part of the cycle of the seasons again. Yeah, yeah. And and so so in that way, you, you, you've you got the, the, the it's, it's, it's hard to cheer for Hades in this play. <laughs> <laughs> but not too hard, but hard. Um, and and so the this sort of redemptive moment at the end where the world is kind of returned into into rightness um, really pays off in a way that the the Orpheus and Eurydice just can't if it's going to stay honest to the myth and honest to the stakes. And I, I mean, they, they do. One of the things I appreciate about Hades Town, among lots of things, is how fully they commit to like a psychological reality for Hades. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, you're right, could tend to just be the villain, but he's a villain by way of pain. Yeah. I mean, just pain, the pain of, I mean, Orpheus sings, his lover abandons him again yeah. and again, year after year. Mm-hmm. And that question dogs his brain all the time. Is she ever coming back? Mm-hmm. Will, will she come back? Will, does she want to be with me? Yeah. And that has created in him this person who holds everything too tightly. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's Hades' tragic flaw, as it were. If, yeah. he, if he's the tragic hero, which, it, you know, you maybe could make the case for dueling. He he just clutches everything to him to the degree that they break, but it's by virtue of this pattern of being abandoned again and mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and that that pattern, in addition to um, the fates, the fates are used very well in this in this uh, play to like take some of the blame. <laughs> <laughs> off of Hades, <laughs> um, uh, uh, but they they float in. They kind of stir the pot a little bit. They're the stir the ones that stir doubt into Orpheus's mind as well. Um, so that combined with just the situ- the the reality of the situation of <laughs> Persephone leaving for half of the year kind of adds that that little bit of though he is to some degree a villain. There is there is this like you're rooting for them and you're glad that when they say we'll try again in the fall, um, that 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 there is there is hope for their relationship. I think that's probably all the time we've got. There's a lot more there. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't listened through, please do. Yeah, there's so many great songs. Build a Wall um, is a, an incredible song. Just the like musicality of this play too. Hades is this amazing bass singer. Um, it's just an incredible. And incredible. Orpheus again. My, we're talking about contrast. Sings about as high as Very I ever heard tenor. a dude sing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No. It's it's a gorgeous show. Beautiful numbers by so many of the characters. The 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 way that Eurydice uh, kind of the, the song that she talks about when she is awakened to uh, the contract that she has signed and the, the gravity of it is just stunning and oh, there's so, so many moments that we could talk about. Alas, 
We are at the end of the time. We are. And I'll just end with my favorite insult of the play, which is when Persephone is talking about how Hades should let Orpheus go, and he says to her, have a drink, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a great one. He's got so many it's great one-liners. Right where she lives. Yep, yep. The other one is, oh, it's a song about me. Yeah, well, that's so great. <laughs> Such yeah. a good line. So, many, so great. many great creative quips. Yep. We could clearly go on and on into the evening, but us and our camping neighbors would like us to, would uh, prefer that we don't. Um, uh, but we would love to keep chatting about this play with all of you. Uh, we, If you have seen Hadestown, if you have listened to Hadestown, if you have read it, interacted with it at all, we'd love to keep chatting about it with you. Fill in some of the gaps that our time did not allow for. So if you uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at noscriptpodcast or Gmail, noscriptpodcast at gmail.com, you can have a continued conversation with us. If you have it on the social media sites, we can extend that conversation out to all of the NoScript listeners as well. Absolutely. If you liked this special conversation in a campground or any of our more normal programming from the rest of the life of NoScript, please recommend us to your family or friends, anybody you know that likes scripts, conversations about stories, anything like that, send them our way. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, uh, YouTube. Uh, we're hosted on Podbean, all the other podcasting the places. Check us out there, and um, we'll, we'll see you over there. You can also like us on Facebook, and a link to the episode appears every Monday on our page. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we have no idea where this is in our season because we can't access our season lineup, but we'll be back next week with another one of theater's best scripts. But until then, I'm Jackson Nikolai. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of No Script the Podcast. Mm-hmm.